Welcome to Soundtrack Your Life, a podcast about soundtracks, music, and movies. Each episode features a guest and focuses on a specific soundtrack and the personal stories connected to it. Now here's your host, Ryan Pack. Hello, this is Ryan, and this is a podcast about soundtracks and our personal connections to them. We're approaching the home stretch with season two, and I'd like to thank you for listening. I really appreciate your support. You can follow the podcast on Instagram at SoundtrackCast and on Twitter at Soundtrack underscore your. This is the B-Sides episode where I introduce some clips that I couldn't fit into the original episodes. We've had a lot of great guests and great conversations this season, so let's start with the conversation from our Atomic Blonde episode with Nicole Barlow and Brandis Wilson, where we talk about Charlize Theron's musician ex-boyfriend. I was disappointed when she was with uh, Stephen Jenkins from Third Eye Blind. <laughs> wow. See what we mean about Ryan not forgetting things? Right? It's like a steel trap. <laughs> so long ago. <laughs> yeah, it was from 98 to 2001. <laughs> See? Well, I looked that up. I, I knew they were together at some point. I just didn't remember when. Uh, their third album, which I don't think anyone cared about at that point, um, Apparently, it's about how he was sad that they broke up. <laughs> I wish you would step back off that ledge, my friend. No, that's Yes Man. Oh. <laughs> it's the only Third Eye Blind song I can actually conjure at this moment. Do, 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 You know that one. <laughs> I do know that one. <laughs> but I don't know how the rest of it goes. I'm pretty sure there's a thing where for editorial content, you can actually play like 15 seconds of a song. <laughs> now it's better if we sing it. How many parts can we do? How If it's really bad and you can't tell that it's the song, is that does that count? <laughs> I think you can just get sued for slander at that point. <laughs> I'm not the one that brought up Charlize's dating history, so <laughs> your can of worms, Ryan. I mean, how can we not bring that up on this podcast? <laughs> like, definitely clear who was stepping down in that. Like, you do a lot better, Charlize. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This next clip is with Brandis and Nicole from our Velvet Goldmine episode. And for some reason, we decided to close the loop on our Yes Man Third Eye Blind thread. That should be a capsule episode, like worst soundtrack ever. Where we just compl- well, then I would just talk about Yes Man and how that Third Eye Blind song is a plot point in the movie. <laughs> we love to talk about Yes Man. Like in real life, would would anyone not jump from a window because you played them that Third Eye Blind song on an acoustic guitar? No, it might be the opposite. Right? I was like, wait, was that not supposed to get him to jump from the window? <laughs> Right. <laughs> and I don't think it was like someone that he knew. It was just like, oh, there's a person who like is in danger. Let me see if I can save them with my acoustic guitar. <laughs> Which has never worked. No, it's never worked. Well, I don't know if it's ever been tried. <laughs> Probably not for good reason. Yeah, people are like, oh, that stranger might jump. Let me let me <laughs> show them what I've been learning at guitar school. Yeah, not a solid <laughs> tactic. Let me tune first. 
<laughs> oh please wait no don't jump yet don't jump yet just give me one second sir i only know six chords so i can only play you a couple of songs but can i try one while you're up there Let me just, i'm workshopping it i'm workshopping this do you mind you get six drums in you're like wait shit i messed up let me start over oh shoot i need my capo <laughs> There's just so many things that you have to do before actually playing a guitar that it makes me laugh to think that you'd just be like, we're going. This next clip is from the episode on Annie. Austin from the podcast I Hate Your Taste in Movies is the guest for this episode, and I decided to give her some film theory about the film Singing in the Rain that her podcast covered earlier in their season. So I watched Singing in the Rain in a film class. Mm Mm-hmm. And my professor, his, you know, I think half the time these professors just have to, like, have a take on things. <laughs> so his take on Singing on the Rain is it's a movie about sexual repression. Okay. And and his, so he thinks the big Singing in the Rain dance number, which I know you guys have covered on your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. He goes, that is, that is the orgasm of the movie. It is just like this big romping orgasm. And okay. uh, I hope I'm not offending you. No, no, no. It's, I mean, hey, it's a take. <laughs> and he's like, you know, like the, because right before that is good morning, good morning. Yep. And he's like, what kind of adults are having milk and cookies at like two in the morning? <laughs> and I was like, it's the 1930s, man. Like, you don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. But, uh, That's really when funny. I was listening to that episode, I was like, oh, I need to like dump all this singing in the rain theory on you guys. Or at least like, on you. I have to like process that. <laughs> That's a lot. I mean, you can still enjoy it. You can just forget all that. Just some <laughs> pretentious professor in California said that. This next clip is from the Black Panther episode. Raymond Liu from the Real Asian Podcast was the guest. And that's real spelled R-E-E-L. We talk about the soundtrack cut Bloody Waters as well as Bay Area and Asian American hip hop artists. Uh, so one song that we haven't talked about yet that um, the music geek in me uh, is got really excited about is Bloody Waters, which is Absol, Anderson Pack, and James yeah. Blake. Yeah, yeah. What What are your thoughts on that song? Um, so I love that James Blake and Anderson Pack are both on the same song. James mm-hmm. Blake is like this six foot five British guy who honestly kind of got his start making. He was almost kind of like a DJ at first, mm. kind of made the kind of producer DJ. And he made these mixes, um, which would, would like interpolate some like hip hop stuff. So mm-hmm. you could tell he was a hip hop fan, but he kind of made like, it's British. Uh, my my cousin would have a better explanation, but it's like British two step, not mm. quite house kind of yeah. music. And then and then he dropped his first album and he sang, and everyone's like, "Holy, like holy shit!" Like this guy has like a an amazing voice. And then now <laughs> he's working with all these hip hop people, so it's it's been amazing to kind of watch his career progress. Yeah. And then I'm a, I'm a big uh, Anderson Pack fan and he's kind of yeah. like the opposite like James Blake has like this angelic kind of voice and Anderson Pack kind of is the epitome of like rap singing like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
you know, and it's not like he has an amazing singing voice, but like it's just got so much of his swag. His swag, you know? it's distinct. Yeah, definitely swag. His he definitely puts a lot of personality behind it with that Anderson pack. Um, so I do like, like it's his a, music though. It's a cool, like you know, kind of like fire and ice sort of contrast. And mm. then you have Absol, who's just like rapping about like growing up in Carson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, fire and ice kind of thing. And I guess that's probably where they get the the the, the track title, bloody water, you know, fire melts the ice and turns into water. You know, maybe that's, the, the, we picked up on the interpretation there <laughs> or the, the purpose of it. Yeah, I think that's a pretty, pretty solid song. Um, I don't listen to it. I didn't listen to it too much or it wasn't thought of it too uh it didn't that that song Bloody Waters didn't come up in my mind right away. Um, or my top songs when I was listening back on the album. Apologize for Yeah, that. it was like one of the songs where <laughs> I saw it on the track list and I was like, Oh, there's an Anderson Peck James Blake song, and I was like probably like one of like five people in America that was excited about that collaboration. <laughs> it turned out pretty well though. Uh but maybe maybe they put him in the soundtrack because Kendrick's like, oh, there's like a scene in Pusan and you're half Korean. So <laughs> you oh, get to yeah. be on the soundtrack. Oh, yeah, he is, huh? Anderson Pack? Oh, really? Do you know uh, Year of the Ox? Mm. Yeah, they're like an up and coming Korean rap duo. Uh, you should check them out. I don't know if it's something that if you're a hip hop fan, you might, you might like them. But yeah, it's a I'll Korean have to check rap that duo. Out. Yeah, they're called Year of the Ox. I think interesting enough that it's currently the Year of the Ox. Um, I don't. Uh, they're not new. They've been around, but I guess they they know that one of these years it would land. <laughs> the Year of the Zodiac would land on their name. Um, but yeah, they 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 they're pretty solid. Um, I just discovered them because the the episode I did on Happy Cleaners, the Korean American film uh, uh, episode that we did, they they did an original song for them. And so I got to know them through that. So pretty, pretty solid. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Yeah. As far as Asian American rappers, like I know lyrics born. Mm. He's from the Bay area. I don't think I know lyrics born too much, too much. Is it fairly new or been around? He's, he's kind of been around. Uh, he's, he's buddies with Randall park. So he's actually in Uh. the, um, Always be my maybe. He's the bassist in Randall Park's band. Oh yeah, okay. I was like, why does that sound familiar? I was like, I know I don't really listen to it, but it sounds familiar. Um, and we watched Always Be My Maybe. I was like, oh, I, when I was looking at the IMDb, I was like, oh, this person is an actual artist. Um, Pilo, I know Pilo. He's Filipino, I believe. He's a Bay Area artist. Yeah. He's he's hyphy background. He kind of has that sound Bay Area. So. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I I my old roommate. So he I found him on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. And he was he's a six foot five white dude from Tahoe. Mm. Interesting. Like, from Tahoe. I don't think I've yeah, never met anyone from from Tahoe. From Tahoe. <laughs> and so you know we're kind of kind of uh trying to break the ice you know like oh like what do you like to do like you like music and he goes hey i see you got like a turntable over there 
yeah. so you must like music. And I was like, oh, yeah, like, what do you like? And he was like, well, I'm from, like, Tahoe, kind of Bay Area. And I'm like, I don't think no. Tahoe is the Bay Area. No. <laughs> and he's like, but my... <laughs> But he's like, my favorite rappers are like Mac Dre and Andre Nicotina. Oh, nice. Ah. I was like old school, like yeah, Bay yeah. Area. Old um, school Bay Area. Because like when I think of like Bay Area rap, I think of like Dell. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's my guy for like Bay Area stuff or like, you know, anything that Dan the Automator does. Yeah, 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 yeah. From the Songs in the Key of Springfield episode, I chatted with the Simpsons Did It podcast host Stephen and Robert Sklonsky about the Simpsons predicting the future and a premise I would have preferred for the Simpsons movie. When Trump got elected, they got a bunch of press about how they made fun of that in the episode where Lisa becomes president. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny, though. Like, I mean, there's a lot of people that are like, well, the Simpsons aren't predicting things. They're just thinking of things futuristically, like when they when the first time they ever go to the future where marge is on a video phone or uh i mean there's a lot of different things from that episodes where you could call it predicting the future but it's just the writers imagining what the future will be like and it just happened to come to pass like i don't don't necessarily as technology advances i mean as far as technology goes you could probably imagine something and eventually it's going to come into reality. Just the way technology exists. Now the Trump thing becoming president who in their right mind would ever even (laughs) want that. Like that, I would call that a prediction over a lot of other things that the Simpsons have done. Cause only a moron would write that Trump becomes president because he was doing it as a joke. And then somehow it happened. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, going uh, a few years ago, you know, they did the Lady Gaga doing the Super Bowl halftime. Of course, that was bound to happen. She's one of the biggest pop stars on the planet. She was eventually going to do the the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, I don't. Is that really a prediction, or is that just a spoiler? <laughs> yeah. I think I, I got to say, probably my favorite Simpsons meme I've seen floating around uh, in terms of the predictions is there's a guy holding open a wallet and there's nothing in it, and there's a picture of Homer holding open his wallet and there's nothing in it. And he, he just goes, the Simpsons have done it again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, what are they going to do next? Hey, maybe they can predict uh, a sports team. Who's never won a championship that they're see, actually going to win a championship. But see, that's not, so I mean, it, it is funny. Like everyone always goes back to like the Cubs and back to the future. Like, Oh, back to the future predicted the Cubs are going to win the world series. Well, look at it like this. They had to win it eventually. It's, a, I mean, it's just like that's that's the weird thing. Like you could say, yeah, they predicted the Cubs winning the World Series, but it's it's event. It was going to happen regardless yeah. if it was that year or any year. Now, if the Simpsons uh, decide to predict the Vikings winning a Super Bowl, <laughs> now that might be a prediction worth worth happening because. I don't know. Well, they hate the Packers so much. They don't even want the Lombardi trophy. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry. I had to do it. I feel like they would make a Vikings joke akin to the Denver Broncos being Homer more than them predicting the Vikings winning the Super Bowl. Well, I know the, the episode where, you know, Homer is betting on football and, you know, Lisa joins them on it. They actually predicted the winner of the Super Bowl that year. 
Yeah. And then the following year, they did the same thing with the Cowboys. So I don't, I don't know if that's really predicting per se. I mean, obviously they had a 50-50 shot. Well, not even a 50-50 shot because it was written the year before. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was, I, I don't know if they just looked at the odds, you know, of who was possible, you know, who was going to win the Super Bowl that year. And they're like, all right, well, this team is favored. We're just going to choose this team. And they just happened to be right. Yeah. If one of the writers had a really bad gambling addiction. Well, they all did. Yeah. <laughs> we, we learned that the guys in the writer's room had uh, that. That's why that episode even came into existence is because they had a horrible gambling problem. Mm hmm. Sorry, I couldn't give you the Dallas Cowboys. I hope that's Denver Broncos. Probably the greatest villain in any medium ever. Yeah. Scorpio. I honestly feel like he should have been the villain in the Simpsons movie. Like I know it's the same voice actor. I know it's still yeah. Albert Brooks, but I think well, a Scorpio themed the Simpsons movie would have been pretty awesome. That I yeah, honestly, now that you say that, I want it. From the High Fidelity episode, here's a clip where I talked to Nicole and Brandis about judging a person about their lack of fashion sense and how that person ended up being way more famous than I expected them to be. So so if you've seen the Tenacious D, um, well, I know you haven't, but if you watch the Tenacious D show that they did for HBO, the guy that always introduces them and hates them is Paul F. Tompkins. <laughs> so I went to go see a Paul F. Tompkins show and... We were outside um, waiting to go in and I saw like this older dude in like cargo shorts and like a hoodie and it was like a Foo Fighters hoodie, which I didn't see a lot at this venue, like at this comedy club. And I was like, you know, we don't have, there's no dress code here, but usually you don't see like people in cargo shorts and like hoodies of, you know, super popular rock bands. Like, you know, it's a little bit more hip than that usually. And so we get, get to our seats and then the curtain pulls back. And I was like, oh, shit, it's Foo Fighters hoodie guy. And then he turned around and that was Kyle Gass from Tenacious D. And I was like, oh, now everything makes sense. It's <laughs> awesome. From our Return of the Living Dead episode, I talked to comic book writer J.M. Brandt about the underrated soundtrack reputation of director Richard Linklater. And we playfully throw some shade at a director who's better known for soundtracks. And it's got a killer soundtrack, too. It does have a good soundtrack, from what I remember, yeah. Like, most of Linklater's movies have a pretty good soundtrack, I think. Yeah, on my Days in Confused podcast, um, I point out that I think he's pretty underrated as far as being a big music guy. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. Like, maybe because, like, the music is a little more on the mainstream side. Like, I kind of feel like the directors that get credit for music in their films are the ones, A, that are really involved in the music selection for their film um, and, and like the way that the music is utilized throughout the movie. But then also, I think that you get brownie points in the public eye for picking like sort of pseudo underground stuff, right? Like stuff that's just outside the periphery of the mainstream or maybe like a forgotten tune from a classic band. Like you pick the stones, but you pick like a lesser hit of the stones. Right. Or you pick a bunch of stuff that sounds like the kinks. That's not the kinks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're, we're not, we're not calling any Wes Anderson out by name. No. 
<laughs> but I think we're both talking about <laughs> I think we are both talking about the Wes Anderson that shall not be named. From the Writers of the Lost Ark episode, director, writer, actor Peter Gardner and I chat about our fathers not being able to suspend their disbelief for some movies that they still enjoyed. But, you know, uh, you know that was my dad, but he, uh, he, but he liked it. We, we, I remember we watched it again later on at home uh, uh, shortly thereafter, or maybe a few years later. But um, that's one of my favorite scenes, that whole truck chase, when he gets shot in the arm and he gets thrown out through the truck and then he climbs under the truck and then he climbs back on the truck gets back in the car and then he takes the guy who shot him and just beats him up and throws him out and the guy gets run over by the truck and then indiana jones all of a sudden winces and grabs his arm like oh now it hurts <laughs> so i was watching this young lady uh, who does um the reaction videos her name is ashley burton she's out of tennessee and she was watching raiders for the first time and it was so funny it was around the truck chase and all of a sudden she goes, wait, who's teaching this class? And I'm going, I never thought of that in 40 years. It's like, who's teaching this class now that he's gone doing all this stuff? So that was kind of funny. Yeah. Um, I had a, not, not exactly the same sort of classic, but I remember watching um, Wes Anderson's Fantastic Mr. Fox with my dad. Yes. And after the movie was over, I asked him if he enjoyed it. And he said, yes. And then he paused and said, but I just can't believe that a fox could really outwit three farmers. Well, there you go. I think he has a valid point. I mean, you know, the, the, we're talking about an insult to the heartland of this great country of ours. I, I'm just kidding. But Fantastic Mr. Fox, let me tell you, was one of my favorite books growing up. I loved that book. And, and all the Roald Dahl stuff, James and the Giant Peach. And of course, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. When... If I, if I ever come back on your show, we'll talk about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which is celebrating its 50th anniversary. So I've got some stories about Willy Wonka. And okay. that is that is my favorite film of all time, Willy Wonka. That's great. Are you a fan? Yeah, it's been a while, but um, yeah, the Gene Wilder one is a classic. Well, yeah, and a great performance by Gene Wilder. We're going to end this B-Sides episode with a clip from our Velvet Goldmine episode where Brandis wonders why Nicole isn't the president of the Ewan McGregor fan club. Thank you for listening, and I hope that you continue to join us every couple of weeks for Soundtrack Your Life. Stay safe. I'm sure somewhere in the world there is an actual bona fide Ewan McGregor fan club, and there is an actual president. And if you aren't legitimately the actual president of said fan club, which I would not be surprised, I'm just waiting for that person to send you a cease and desist. <laughs> Oh, I there's some lady in the UK named like Dolores and she's in Cornwall or something. And she's really upset right now that I'm misrepresenting myself. I just want to see you two throw down. That's all that I want in life. I just want to see us come together to make, you know, make things happen, to make this anniversary tour for Velvet Goldmine happen. Because personally, I think that it is, it is long overdue for a renaissance. I know that we haven't been able to have events in this past horrible year but it would be super cool to see this in like a big like art house kind of situation like i would i would totally see this at hollywood forever i would totally see this at like alamo draft house oh yeah this would definitely even like the bowl it would be really great at the bowl oh, yes it would be so good at the bowl. brandis yes <laughs> exactly we will find you mcgregor's agent we will send this podcast episode we will make this happen if you are listening you mcgregor's agent or even you mcgregor 
first of all, please do not get a restraining order. And second of all, sure, it'd be great. <laughs> it'd be great. Thanks for joining us this week on Soundtrack Your Life. Make sure to visit our website, soundtrackyourlife.net, where you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too.